Hello, and welcome to another installment of The Inbetweens. This is Phalanx Man. Today we have part three of The Constitution of No Authority by Lysander Spooner. We'll be starting with section six today. Let it roll. It is no exaggeration, but a literal truth to say that by the Constitution, not as I interpret it, but as it is interpreted by those who pretend to administer it, the properties, liberties, and lives of the entire people of the United States are surrendered unreservedly into the hands of men who, it is provided by the Constitution itself, shall never be questioned as to any disposal they make of them. Thus the Constitution, Article 1, Section 6, provides that for any speech or debate or vote in either house, they, the senators and representatives, shall not be questioned in any other place. The whole law-making power is given to the, these senators and representatives when acting by a two-thirds vote, and this provision protects them from all responsibility for the laws they make. The Constitution also enables them to secure the execution of all their laws by giving them power to withhold the salaries of and to impeach and remove all judicial and executive officers who refuse to execute them. Thus the whole power of the government is in their hands, and they are made utterly irresponsible for the use they make of it. What is this but absolute irresponsible power? It is no answer to this view of the case to say that these men are under oath to use their power only within certain limits. For what care they, or what should they care, for oaths or limits? When it is expressly provided by the Constitution itself that they shall never be questioned or held to any responsibility whatever for violating their oaths or transgressing those limits. Neither is it any answer to this view of the case to say that the particular individuals holding this power can be changed once in two or six years, for the power of each set of men is absolute during the term for which they hold it, and when they can hold it no longer, they are succeeded only by men whose power will be equally absolute and irresponsible. Neither is it any answer to this view of the case to say that the men holding this absolute irresponsible power must be men chosen by the people or portions of them to hold it. A man is nonetheless a slave because he is allowed to choose a new master once in a term of years. Neither are a people any less the slaves because permitted periodically to choose new masters. What makes them slaves is the fact that they now are, and always hereafter to be, in the hands of men whose power over them and always is to be absolute and irresponsible. The right of absolute and irresponsible dominion is the right of property, and the right of property is the right of absolute irresponsible dominion. The two are identical, the one necessarily implying the other. Neither can exist without the other. If, therefore, Congress have that absolute and irresponsible law-making power which the Constitution, according to their interpretation of it, gives them, it can only be because they own us as property. If they own us as property, they are our masters, and their will is our law. If they do not own us as property, they are not our masters, and their will, as such, is of no authority over us. But these men 
who claim and exercise this absolute irresponsible dominion over us dare not be consistent and claim either to be our masters or to own us as property. They say they are only our servants, agents, attorneys, and representatives. But this declaration involves an absurdity, a contradiction. No man can be my servant, agent, attorney, or representative and be at the same time uncontrollable by me and irresponsible to me for his acts. It is of no importance that I appointed him and put all power in his hands. If I made him uncontrollable by me and irresponsible to me, he is no longer my servant, agent, attorney, or representative. If I gave him absolute irresponsible power over my property, I gave him the property. If I gave him absolute irresponsible power over myself, I made him my master, and I gave myself to him as a slave. And it is of no importance whether I called him master or servant, agent or owner. The only question is what power did I put into his hands? Was it an absolute and irresponsible one or an limited and responsible one? For still another reason, they are neither our servants, agents, attorneys, nor representatives. And that reason is that we do not make ourselves responsible for their acts. If a man is my servant, agent, or attorney, I necessarily make myself responsible for all his acts done within the limits of the power I have entrusted to him. If I have entrusted him as my agent with either absolute power or any power at all over the persons or properties of other men than myself, I thereby necessarily make myself responsible responsible to those other persons for any injuries he may do them, so long as he acts within the limits of the power I've granted him. But no individual who may be injured in this per in his person or property by acts of Congress can come to the individual electors and hold them responsible for these acts of their so-called agents or representatives. This fact proves that these pretended agents of the people of everybody are really the agents of nobody. If then nobody is individually responsible for the acts of Congress, the members of Congress are nobody's agents. And if they are nobody's agents, they are themselves individually responsible for their own acts and for the acts of all whom they employ. And the authority they are exercising is simply their own individual authority. And by the law of nature, the highest of all laws, anybody injured by their acts, anybody who is deprived by them of his property or his liberty has the same right to hold them individually responsible that he has to hold any other trespasser individually responsible. He has the same right to resist them and their agents that he has to resist any other trespassers. In section six here, Lysander Spooner lays out the fundamental relationship dynamic between the people of the United States and their so-called elected politicians, their so-called servants of the people. He points out irrefutably that these people truly, these politicians, these federal despots are truly our slave masters. They are not our representatives, but our masters. And as such, they are to be held individually responsible for every single one of their acts. The responsibility is not upon the Supreme Court, but upon us, the people. On to section seven 
of the Constitution of No Authority. It is plain, then, that on general principles of law and reason, such principles as we all act upon in courts of justice and in common life, the Constitution is no contract, that it binds nobody and never did bind anybody, and that all those who pretend to act by its authority are really acting without any legitimate authority at all, that on general principles of law and reason they are mere usurpers, and that everybody not only has the right but is morally bound to treat them as such. If the people of this country wish to maintain such a government as the Constitution describes, there is no reason in the world why they should not sign the instrument itself and thus make known their wishes in an open, authentic manner. In such manner as the common sense and experience of mankind have shown to be responsible and necessary in such cases, and in such manner as to make themselves, as they ought to do, individually responsible for the acts of the government. But the people have never been asked to sign it. And the only reason why they have never been asked to sign it has been that it has been known that they never would sign it, that they were neither such fools nor knaves as they must needs have been to be willing to sign it. That at least as it has been practically interpreted, it is not what any sensible and honest man wants for himself, nor such as he has any right to impose upon others. It is to all moral intents and purposes as destitute of obligation as the compacts which robbers and thieves and pirates enter into with each other but never sign. If any considerable number of the people believe the Constitution to be good, why do they not sign it themselves and make laws for and administer them upon each other, leaving all other persons who do not interfere with them in peace? Until they have tried the experiment for themselves, how can they have the face to impose the Constitution upon or even to recommend it to others? Plainly, the reason for such absurd and inconsistent conduct is that they want the Constitution not solely for any honest or legitimate use it can be of to themselves or others, but for the dishonest and illegitimate power it gives them over the persons and properties of others. But for this latter reason, all their eulogiums on the Constitution, all their exhortations, and all their expenditures of money and blood to sustain it would be wanted. In this section, Spooner is speaking fire. See, most people, most Americans, when they typically think of the Constitution, they typically think of primarily the Bill of Rights. But it should be pointed out that the Bill of Rights did not originally exist in the Constitution. The Bill of Rights was the sugar that was used to sweeten the vile, poisonous Constitution so as to get the individual states to agree to it. Because originally, if you look into the ratifying debates of the Constitution, you'll notice that, that it took quite a long time for the individual states of what we now call the United States to, to agree to the Constitution. Because to them, they looked at it, and rightly so, as an abridgment of their freedom. And so they said... The only way that we would ever agree to this is if you guarantee to us if the federal government has if the federal government drafts a contract that ensures the the legitimate uh, liberties of the people 
and that was enshrined in the Bill of Rights. Now, this was done out of ignorance because, as we have seen historically, the Bill of Rights has been no protection really at all. Um, it's just constantly been more and more, uh, more extremely from, from year to year violated, and thus our liberty has been violated. But this this was the original uh, this was the original situation for the Constitution, and so and, and so Lysander Spooner points out rather legitimately that you know these people that support the United States Constitution why don't they individually sign it so that we know what their names are and and thus if it is a contract by signing it they become responsible for the acts of their supposed servants which in this case the, these quote, civil servants, uh, which is really an Orwellian term, these civil servants, uh, that they, any actions they take, any actions Congress and the President and the Supreme Court and all these federal courts and nonsense take, right, federal police and all these people, any actions they take, these individuals that would sign it would be held responsible, legally liable. But they don't do that because any sane person especially today any sane person who looks at the things that the federal government does to people there's no way that they would want to be held personally liable for those actions not only that those who do support those actions these leftists and cucks and things all you have to do is is look at what they've said for instance um in brazil right in brazil bolsonaro tried to make the, the elections completely transparent, to make them publicly auditable, because um, the, uh, I forget the name of the, the company, Dominion, Dominion Voting Systems, they're the ones that, that operate, that they're the ones that provide the voting machines and such in Brazil as well, as they do here, right? Um, and because of all of the um, evidence of fraud in the 2020 election in the United States, he wanted to make sure, Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil, he wanted to make sure that that did not occur in Brazil. And so he tried to push a bill through their parliament down there to make the elections publicly auditable, meaning that every single person who votes, their name would be publicly tied to their vote everybody would know who they voted for everybody would know what their name is everybody would so therefore that because of that what would happen is every single person that voted for these tyrants down there right every single person that that supported any of these politicians down in brazil that wanted to oppress their neighbors these everybody would know their neighbors would know who's responsible for getting these people into power and it's interesting, the, the right wing in Brazil, and, and, and the, the, really the right wing, the left wing, uh, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of, um, there's a common theme, I should say, common dynamic between right and left the world over. But the right wing in Brazil, because uh, it's applicable to the, to the United States is what I'm saying. The right wing of Brazil, they didn't have any problem with this. They thought, hey, this is great. I can, you know, this means that any individual, they don't have to work for the government or be part of the election commissioner's office or any of that crap, right? Every single individual, individual, no matter who they are, as long as they had an internet connection, could publicly audit the election. So if there's any fraud, 
it would be it would be uh, um, open to be examined by any individual of the public. But the left in Brazil, they flipped out. They said, oh, no, 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 this is terrible, yada, 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 because not only did they want to, you know, not only did the politicians want to commit election fraud down there, but more importantly, the individual voters, the left wing, the Marxists, and I and they a lot of these people are are self-avowed Marxists down there in Brazil. They did not want people. They did not want to be held individually responsible, basically, for for the, their their uh, uh, support for various candidates or policies. And in the same sense, those who support the the actions of the federal government. Right. Like these, for instance, these people in the United States that, uh, you know, on like the vaccine issue, the vaccine mandate and stuff. They say, well, this should just be normal. This is this is, you know, this idea that the federal government should be able to force you to take a vaccine, uh, you know, and if you don't take it, that you shouldn't be able to legally uh, act, uh, uh, be a, a legal uh, social actor meaning that you can't have a job, you can't, you know, you can't go out and among the community, you can't interact with people, yada, yada, yada. Well, this should just be normal. Well, these same people, there's no way that they would sign the Constitution. They, there was no way that they would put their name and their reputation, as little reputation as they might have, and as little life as they might have, they would never put that on the line in support of the things that they will privately support, Right? They don't want to be identified with it because if people know, if, if people know, if it is made public, their actions, their, their decision to support various policies and candidates, well, they're afraid because they know that, for instance, and there probably won't be nearly as much problem with this in California, but in places like, let's say, Texas or Arkansas, Right, these people, these places that there's a huge, huge swaths of it that are deep red, people that hate the government, they hate liberals, right? Uh, hate leftists. I really shouldn't call them liberal, but hate leftists. These, you know, one or two people in their neighborhood, well, they would know exactly who they are, who they voted for, what they supported, and so they might have, you know, Bob, and and Tom. And Jim Bob down down the road come to their front door and say, "What the hell is wrong with you? You support these asswipes? You support these people? How dare you? You sob yada yada yada, right? And they and these people are our selected, so they're afraid of conflict. They're like women; they're afraid of conflict, right? They want to avoid it at all costs because they're weak, pathetic children. They cannot defend themselves." And because of that, they will not stand up for their own actions. They will not take responsibility for their own, their own actions. And even back in the eighteen in eighteen sixty seven, when this when this um, essay was published, even back then, Lysander Spooner pointed out the hypocrisy and cowardice of these people because they won't they will not sign sign the Constitution and thereby make themselves. At least according to the rules of contracts, if the if the Constitution is supposedly a contract, which it's supposed it's that's how it was sold to us, right? They do not want to be held responsible 
for the consequences of that Constitution. Section 8. The Constitution itself, then, being of no authority, on what authority does our government practically rest? On what ground can those who pretend to administer it claim the right to seize men's property, to restrain them of their natural liberty of action, industry, and trade, and to kill all who deny their authority, to dispose of men's properties, liberties, and yes, even lives at their pleasure or discretion? The most they can say in answer to this question is that some half Two-thirds or three-fourths of the male adults of the country have a tacit understanding that they will maintain a government under the Constitution, that they will select by ballot the persons to administer it, and that those persons who may receive a majority or a plurality of their ballots shall act as their representatives and administer the Constitution in their name and by their authority. But this tacit understanding, admitting it to exist, cannot at all justify the conclusion drawn from it. A tacit understanding between A, B, and C that they will, by ballot, depute D as their agent to deprive me of my property, liberty, or life cannot at all authorize D to do so. He is nonetheless a robber, tyrant, and murderer because he claims to act as their agent. Then he would be if he avowedly acted on his own responsibility alone. Neither am I bound to recognize him as their agent, nor can he legitimately claim to be their agent when he brings no written authority from them accrediting him as such. I am under no obligation to take his word as to who his principles may be or whether he has any. Bringing no credentials, I have a right to say he has no such authority, even as he claims to have, and that he is therefore intending to rob, enslave, or murder me on his own account. This tacit understanding, therefore, among the voters of, their, of the country amounts to nothing as an authority to their agents. Neither do the ballots by which they select their agents avail any more than does their tacit understanding, for their ballots are given in secret, and therefore in a way to avoid any personal responsibility for the acts of their agents. No body of men can be said to authorize a man to act as their agent to the injury of a third person unless they do it in so open and authentic a manner as to make themselves personally responsible for his acts. None of the voters in this country appoint their political agents in any open, authentic manner or in any manner to make themselves responsible for their acts. Therefore, these pretended agents cannot legitimately claim to be really agents. Somebody must be responsible for the acts of these pretended agents, and if they cannot show any open and authentic credentials from their principles, they cannot, in law or reason, be said to have any principles at all. The maxim applies here, that what does not appear does not exist. If they can show no principles, they have none. But even these pretended agents do not themselves know who their pretended principles are. These latter act in secret, for acting by secret ballot is acting in secret as much as if they were to meet in secret conclave in the darkness of night. And they are personally as much unknown to the agents they select as they are to others. No pretended agent, therefore, can ever know by whose ballots he is selected, or consequently who his real principles are. Not knowing who his principles are, he has no right to say that he has any. 
He can at most say only that he is the agent of a secret band of robbers and murderers who are bound by that faith which prevails among Confederates in crime to stand by him if his acts done in their name shall be resisted. Men honestly engaged in attempting to establish justice in the world have no occasion thus to act in secret or to appoint agents to do acts for which they, the principals, are not willing to be responsible. The secret ballot makes a secret government, and a secret government is a secret band of robbers and murderers. Open despotism is better than this. The single despot stands out in the face of all men and says, I am the state. My will is law. I am your master. I take the responsibility of my acts. The only arbiter I acknowledge is the sword. If anyone denies my right, let him try conclusions with me. But a secret government is little less than a government of assassins. Under it, a man knows not who his tyrants are until they have struck, and perhaps not then. He may guess beforehand as to some of his immediate neighbors, but he really knows nothing. The man to whom he would most naturally fly for protection may prove an enemy when the time of trial comes. This is the kind of government we have, and it is the only one we are likely to have until men are ready to say, we will consent to no constitution except such as one as we are neither ashamed nor afraid to sign. And we will authorize no government to do anything in our name which we are not willing to be personally responsible for. Once again, he's basically... Lysander Spooner in this section is essentially just saying the same thing as I was saying earlier about Bolsonaro in Brazil. These people, you know, we have no way of knowing, supposedly, if these people are really the servants of, of others, right, of their constituents or whatever, right, of those who voted for them. And that's really the case when they come for us. We have no, no idea who uh, owns them, so to speak, who is really their master. You know, assuming that this line of reasoning was correct that they are actually civil servants right because because the ballots are secret section nine what is the motive to the secret ballot this and only this like other confederates in crime those who use it are not friends but enemies and they are afraid to be known and to have their individual doings known even to each other they can contrive to bring about a sufficient understanding to enable them to act in concert against other persons. But beyond this, they have no confidence and no friendship among themselves. In fact, they are engaged quite as much in schemes for plundering each other as in plundering those who are not of them. And it is perfectly well understood among them that the strongest party among them in certain contingencies murder each other by the hundreds of thousands, as they lately did, he's referring to the Civil War, to accomplish their purposes against each other. Hence they dare not be known, and have their individual doings known even to each other. And this is avowedly the only reason for the ballot, for a secret government, a government by secret bands of robbers and murderers. And we are insane enough to call this liberty. To be a member of this secret band of robbers and murderers is esteemed a privilege and an honor. Without this privilege, a man is considered a slave, but with it a free man. 
With it, he is considered a free man because he has the same power to secretly and by secret ballot procure the robbery, enslavement, and murder of another man. That that other man has to procure his robbery, enslavement, and murder. And that this they call equal rights. <laughs> if any number of men, many or few, claim the right to govern the people of this country, let them make and sign an open compact with each other to do so. Let them thus make themselves individually known to those whom they propose to govern. And let them thus openly take the legitimate responsibility of their acts. How many of those who now support the Constitution will ever do this? How many will ever dare openly proclaim their right to govern or to take the legitimate responsibility of their acts? Not one. Right. How many people do you know? How many people do you know, right, that let's say, let's say supported. Ah, let's say how many people do you know that voted for Obama would openly say to your face, even even make a public declaration, right? That yes, I believe in the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization, uh, the National, the Detention Author. Uh, anyways, the Indefinite Detention Law. I believe that the government, right? These people that I supported, right? This this man that I supported, this black man, right? That I believe that he should be able to come to your door with men with guns, right? And that he should be able to de uh, detain you for any reason at all, even no reason, if it, if it is his whim to do so for any indefinite amount of time and call you a terrorist, right? And paint you in the media as such. That that is right. And, and that, you know, I sign on to this. Do you really think, like, imagine, imagine if you went to your neighbor to his front door and said, hey, buddy, you know what? I believe, I believe, and I would support a band of people coming to your home with firearms to take you and your children into custody, to lock you up in some cage where you're probably going to be raped by your fellow prisoners, right? To, to be deprived of your freedom and that they, they shouldn't even have to give a reason for it. And that's essentially, I mean, that's what they're saying when they voted for Obama. And that's what they were saying. And now listen, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that there was necessarily a, a better Republican alternative. That's not what I'm saying, you know, except for maybe Ron Paul. But I'm just saying that is legitimately what they're saying. And do you really think that those people would have the balls to do that? I mean, imagine, imagine if your neighbor came over and said that to you. You'd knock his lights out. You'd tell him to keep stepping, right? That he better get the hell out of your face if you're, or you're putting his front through his back. And that is why, that is why the ballots are secret. Because people are afraid to stand on what they believe in. Section 10. It is obvious that, on general principles of law and reason, there exists no such thing as a government created by or resting upon any consent, compact, or agreement of the people of the United States with each other. That the only visible, tangible, responsible government that exists is that of a few individuals only, who act in concert and call themselves by the several names of senators, representatives, presidents, judges, marshals, treasurers, collectors, generals, colonels, captains, etc., etc. On general principles of law 
beyond reason, it is of no importance whatever that these few individuals profess to be the agents and representatives of the people of the United States, since they can show no credentials from the people themselves. They were never appointed as agents or representatives in any open, authentic manner, and they do not themselves know and have by no means of knowing and cannot prove who their principles, as they call them, are individually, and consequently cannot in, in law or reason be said to have any principles at all. It is obvious, too, that if these alleged principles ever did appoint these pretended agents or representatives, they appointed them secretly, by secret ballot, and in a way to avoid all personal responsibility for their acts. That, at most, these alleged principles put these pretended agents forward for the most criminal purposes— to, per, to plunder the people of their property and restrain them of their liberty, and that the only authority that these alleged principles have for so doing is simply a tacit understanding among themselves that they will imprison, shoot, or hang every man who resists the exactions and restraints which their agents or representatives may impose upon them. Thus it is obvious that the only visible, tangible government we have is made up of these professed agents or representatives of a secret band of robbers and murderers who, to cover up or gloss over their robberies and murders, have taken to themselves the title of the people of the United States, and who, on the pre pretense of being the people of the United States, assert their right to subject to their dominion and to control and dispose of at their pleasure all property and persons found in the United States. So in this section, Lysander Spooner uh, is really bringing to a head everything he said in the past few sections and saying that, you know, basically now that we understand, right, now that we understand that these people do not have any kind of like, that, that they're not governing us by consent, right, that, you know, that just because we vote for them, right, uh, that just because some portion of the population right, secretly, by secret ballot, votes for these people, that does not in any way convey to them some kind of, of, of authority to do what they do, right? And that if we want to be brutally honest, right, if we want to be brutally honest with each other and to say in as clear and honest a language as possible what their authority, what the authority of the federal government really depends upon it is simply this that if you resist the federal government they will come any kind of action they want to take against you if you do not pay your taxes they will come to your door and they will imprison you and if you if you resist their kidnapping of you and throwing you in some rape cage they will shoot and kill you look at what happened at ruby ridge that man was innocent Right at, at Ruby Ridge in the 1990s, that man, what did he do? Right, he lived off grid. He stopped using any any services that were provided to him by the government through taxes. Right, he did not uh, partake of any of those services, and so therefore he said, "Well, you know what? I'm not receiving any benefit from this money that's forcefully taken from me, and so therefore, if." taxes are really just then I shouldn't have to pay them at all and I'm not going to and so a year or two went by and you know the IRS kept coming to his house and saying hey you owe us they kept sending him letters and such and he and eventually he just said you know I'm not I'm not paying for it make me oh 
And so they they uh, they came, right? The ATF came and they shot his dog. They shot his son. They shot his wife while she was nursing to his child. But that's justice, right? And truthfully speaking, if we want to be brutally honest with each other, that is what the authority of the federal government relies upon. It is only that. That is the and and, and we all recognize that as illegitimate. So if if that's the case, right? Then <laughs> then screw them. Screw the federal government, right? These people need to be dealt with. And I'm not, you know, for the FBI listening, I'm not advocating that you know, uh, that I or, I or anybody else should, like, go and, like, uh, unwisely go to war with the federal government at this point in time. Obligatory disclaimer. But if we're being honest with each other, that's, that's what their uh, authority rests upon. Fear, subjugation, and brainwashing, really, right, through the media. So... Don't give me this BS about, you know, a constitutional democratic republic or whatever, right? No. Screw screw the United States, screw the federal government. Now, I really don't want to I really don't want to come across as some like cucky libertarian. You know, I I am a libertarian, but I am not autistic like a lot of these people. I hope you're enjoying this. Uh I certainly am. Um this is really this is one of my favorites and most influential, at least upon my my thought processes and the way I view the world, uh, essays, um, and it's so relevant to our time now. You know, uh, even though this is written back in 1867. And with that, we'll be back next week, and we will continue the Constitution of No Authority.